0: This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm, and you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
1: This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Given that Spark is about having conversations that are impactful with others, it is perfect that I will be talking with Rachel Kajak about how to have a conversation with anyone. Rachel Kajak is an expert in social fluency and teaches it to many people and organizations. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell me, when I walk into a room full of strangers, where or how do I start? Great
0: question. So it's interesting because uh, it really depends. If you walk into a room and you are naturally drawn to a certain part of the room or a certain group of people, you should absolutely uh, head in that direction. But sometimes you walk into a room and you're just not really sure who you want to talk to. And so it's good to take a couple of minutes to look around and just see who looks interesting to you, see whose eye contact you catch. Um, if there's speakers at an event for example uh, you can you know listen to one of the speakers that uh, might seem interesting to you and then go up and speak to them afterwards but it's really important to be genuine and and keep
1: real radio alive people live local real radio that's why you're here listening to kxsf right on 102.5 fm san francisco We give you more of what you want, music and programming curated by actual human beings who live locally in your neighbourhoods, plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF really needs your help. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm and clicking on Donate. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, a commercial wine to come in And interrupt our conversation To throw the conversation off In case you're in a room And someone just walks up And you don't know what the person's talking about Hey, that
0: happens all the time, right? So perfect, <laughs> perfect example
1: so,
0: Oh gosh, so uh, good comedic relief there So so anyway, when you walk into a room And you're looking for, around for who's interesting You really want to be genuine about that And um, it's important to to really think about you know, who do you want to meet? What's your intention for that? And um, you know, really meeting new people and the ability to do that well makes a huge difference in the quality of
1: your life. So, do I just go up to the person that looks the most interesting to me in the room, or yeah, is open?
0: So let's say you found the person that you want to talk to. You're you're you've noticed somebody. You've caught their eye or you've heard someone speak, and, and you're interested in them. And the way that you want to actually do that is you want to come up to somebody and do what I call a quick read. So you might say something like, wow, well, you seem really interesting, or I like the talk that you just gave. Something that's sort of just a quick read, a value read of them, because a lot of times we build it up in our mind that we have to have this whole big reason for talking to somebody, but it's really, uh, you know, flattering to somebody when you just come up to them and say, you seemed interesting. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. So after you actually come up and and make that quick read on them, you can, uh, you know, ask ask them a question. You can tell them what it was about them that was interesting, which seems much more genuine, um, if you can actually sort of back that up with what it was about them, and it can be something simple, like somebody could be wearing a cool hat or glasses. That could be the the spark that you say, oh, you just seem kind of edgy and fashionable. You thought you seemed interesting, wanted to come up and say hi. Um, so that's a, that's how easy it is to get into a conversation. Um, the key, of course, is being uh, c- to commit to it, right, to be confident when you come up and to assume that it's going to go well. When you come up to somebody and you kind of only commit halfway, then it can really come across as either a lack of confidence on your part or maybe you're just talking to them because, you know, they were there. Um, So it's important to commit. Um, It's important to be okay with interrupting. A lot of times what I see happen, particularly at, you know, events, whether it's a party or a networking event or whatever, is that uh, you walk up to somebody and someone else is already talking to them and you stand there awkwardly. Or someone stands there awkwardly waiting for their turn to to interrupt. And rather what you want to do is come up and just say, hey, wanted to say hi. And then, of course, let them finish their thought or what they were talking about. But it's their opportunity to invite you into that conversation. Or at least you've said something and the person can say, "Um, oh, hey, great to meet you. Give me just one sec and finish their thought with the other person and then turn to you. Um, nothing's more awkward than just you know for both parties for for you to just stand there waiting to talk to somebody. So again, commit. Don't be halfway about it. Be okay with interrupting, if that is the um, situation that you're faced with. Assume that it's going to go well. And then the other couple of things are: it's really important to slow down, not to speak too quickly. Sometimes when people are in more stressful situations, they will. Um, talk really fast. Or the other thing that happens is they don't talk loudly enough. Everybody's voice is louder in their own head. And so you may have experienced it before where somebody kind of looks at you like, what did you say? And so if you speak loudly, a little bit louder than you normally would, particularly in a room full of people, it actually really helps uh, with that you know, conveyance of confidence, and also so the other person can
1: hear you. It's just a function of that as well. So it's a nice intro to maybe compliment someone on what he or she's wearing, or you look familiar or something, but how do you then keep the conversation alive, keep it going and interesting?
0: Well, there's sort of two ways that I talk about what is uh, kind of categorized as conversational agility, and that is wide rapport and deep rapport. So the first one I'll talk about is wide rapport. Um, this is, so, you know, if anybody listening hates small talk, this is for you. <laughs> this is the kind of situation where you're trying to figure out how to have something to talk about with somebody or having lots of different topics that you can draw from at any given time. And so wide rapport is being able to talk to anyone, anywhere, at any time. So lots of different kinds of people. And some people feel like this is superficial, but the thing is you really have to, it's kind of like you have to date before you get married. You know, you can't just jump into the deep conversation without some sort of entry point where you're doing a little dance, getting to know each other a little bit, Um, checking each other's uh, body language out, which is something that we just do instinctively as humans. And so the way that you actually um, build wide rapport is through something that that we call threading. And so it's an opportunity to insert a new topic of conversation or to thread off of something someone else is saying. So it's deceptively simple. If you're listening to someone else speak and they're talking about cheesecake. (laughs) This is something that's on my mind right now. Um, And, you know, you just thought about baking a cheesecake, but you've gone dairy-free. You might say something like, oh, speaking of cheesecake, I'm trying to find a good dairy-free recipe to make something that's as close to a cheesecake as possible. Nothing's as good as the real thing, but um, do you have any ideas about that? Or Uh, thinking of something else that you want to say about that maybe something that you read on the internet or whatever and so what you're doing is you're showing interest in what they're talking about but you're also contributing to the conversation a lot of times what people will do is go into question mode and there's nothing instinctively wrong with asking people questions in fact it's a great way to get to know somebody But if all you're doing is asking questions and you're not inserting any of your own uh, information or telling about yourself a story or whatever, an opinion, then it's it's sort of imbalanced in the conversation. And you're putting the spotlight of attention too much on the other person. So you want to kind of keep in mind that balance. So so this exercise um, that I'm about to share with you called Speaking Of is a great way to practice this and to sort of train your brain to be able to think of things to talk about. And you can do this on your own, but it works best with another person. Uh, so the way it works is that um, somebody says, you know, let's let's say you and I will model this here, uh, Kelly. So, um, so just make a statement about something. It can be anything.
1: Wow, today is really hot. It's a great day to go surfing.
0: Oh, wow. So uh, speaking of hot... Um, I just uh, boiled a cup of tea and it is burning my mouth as we speak, or it just burned my mouth. This is kind of a silly example, but the idea is not that you are having a real conversation, it's that you're practicing riffing off of what somebody says. So, what you just said there, you know, it's a really hot day, uh, it looks like a good day to go surfing or something to that effect. I could have riffed off of day, uh, hot, Uh, surfing, right? So I chose hot because I actually did just boil a cup of tea and (laughs) I really did just burn my tongue. So, um, so, you know, that was real for me, right? So, so the game or the exercise, you're sort of gamifying this is to, um, is to riff back and forth. And it's, if, if, if the conversation makes sense, you're doing it wrong. The whole point is just to practice riffing off of each other's statements. So it might be, uh, you know you, you hear me say um, you know the the tea was hot and I burnt my tongue and then you might say oh, speaking of tongue and you know I don't know I tried beef tongue once and it was gross right something like that so you just riff back and forth the other way that you can practice is to go to Google and do random word generator and it will literally just pop up random words like it could pop up Spicy, And then you say, oh, uh, you know, speaking of spicy, and then say something about that. The other thing about this is that there's sort of an order of importance or, or value, I guess would be a better word, for, for what makes a good thread. And the number one thing is a personal story. Because, first of all, it's easiest to talk about yourself. And you just heard me giving an example of that. But also because um, it's, it, you're sharing something about yourself. If you're contributing and sharing in the conversation, people are more likely to do that. It's inviting them in to actually share and, and be more open with you. And so, um, so that's number one. The second one is an opinion, um, something that you hold, something that you believe. And the third one is an interesting fact um, or something that you heard. So like you might say, oh, I was just listening to an NPR, NPR podcast today. And they were talking about, um, you know, the upcoming election and who is polling, you know, first, second, and third. And I found this interesting, blah, blah, blah. Right. So those are the order of importance. And so you don't want to just spout out facts and random, you know, Jeopardy (laughs) answers or questions. It's more about, like, what's something interesting that you heard or read or saw recently that you want to share?
1: But you don't want to go too personal, right? What's that? You don't want to go too personal when you first meet someone in terms of personal story, do you?
0: No, that's, that's exactly the point is that you're uh, – you, well, first of all, it's you sharing a story, so you get to choose how, how personal you go. But, yeah, you're bringing up a good point. If you invest too much and, and you know, people have heard of the term TMI, too much information, you know, you, you, then it can kind of seem off-putting. It's like you're kind of putting the cart before the horse. So a better way to do that is to think of light and positive stories that you can share. So something like cheesecake or hot tea, is probably pretty low risk, right? It's nobody's going to be offended. There's not going to be, you know, this immediate um, sort of distance that you're putting between you and somebody else. Whereas if you go into deep political beliefs, <laughs> that might, you know, it might rub somebody the wrong way. It kind of depends on the audience. You know, you have to read where you're at and who you're talking to and ease into some of the more risky topics. But absolutely, good point. You want to start with something light and kind of work towards the deeper level.
1: Okay, so the other question is opinions. Do we really want to give negative opinions, even though it may be honest, when you first meet someone?
0: You know, I believe that it is good to do that. Um, I think that if you... If you know yourself to harbor some pretty strong opinions, um, say politically or or something that's controversial, um, maybe you don't lead with that. But what I think is really important is that you be genuine above all else. So you don't want to hide either, right? It's a delicate balance. So having an opinion about something, but having an opinion at least initially about something that's light um topic wise is is more safe. You know, it's something that at least gets you into the conversation and gets the ball rolling as far as um, you know the back and forth interchange.
1: Great idea. Um, we're going to take a short break and be right back. Sounds good.
0: Support for kXSF comes from Irish voices a small business that not only collects and shares conversations with the Irish diaspora in San Francisco and beyond through video and audio, but which also offers walking tours of San Francisco, telling the story of the large Irish influence in the city since the 1840s. Look for Irish Voices walking tours on Eventbrite, Facebook or on the website at www.irishvoices.us. Thanks for supporting San Francisco Community Radio.
1: You are listening to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Returning to our conversation with Rachel Kajak about how to have a real conversation with anyone.
0: Thanks, Kelly. So um, so I had mentioned a minute ago that there were sort of two areas that I think about conversational agility. One is building wide rapport, which we just talked about. And then the other one is my favorite, which is building deep rapport. And for some people, they, they actually are the opposite of what we talked about earlier where they don't mind the small talk, but when it gets into, you know, how to get more down into your heart center as opposed to just staying in your head, they're not really sure how to do that comfortably. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what that um, what that means and what that looks like. And so I think about it as, you know, a head-to-head, head-to-head conversation versus a heart-to-heart. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you're talking head-to-head, you're really talking about, um, oh, so where did you go on vacation and how long were you there and where did you stay and, you know, was the flight okay? It's all just kind of information, right? You're in your head about it. Whereas if you're talking to somebody about their vacation and you say, oh, what was your favorite thing about it? Um When did you have the, the, you know, what day was the best time? You know, share that with me. Something that is a little bit deeper that gets people into what do they value? What do they care about? That creates an emotional anchor and it makes people remember the conversation and it makes people feel and say things to you like you're so easy to talk to or they just find themselves revealing a lot about themselves, you know, whether it's like. They're about their family or, you know, about what they, you know, enjoy doing and, you know, what they care about, all of those things. And so this is really the, the special sauce, in my opinion. And the way that, um, that, that I typically teach uh, this um, activity or this, this style of conversation, I should say, is through an, an activity called Empathy Generator. And so Empathy Generator, and, you know, it might be a silly name, but it it gets at the top, the point of it, which is that you're trying to get to um, sort of an assumption about people's values so that they feel seen and heard. So I talked a little bit ago about spotlight of attention. When you are, um, you know, in a situation where you're first in a conversation with somebody, you don't want to put all of the spotlight of attention on them by peppering them with question after question. But as you get into the conversation more, you really do want to inquire into somebody. You do want to put a little bit more spotlight on them. And so that's um, what this activity that I'm about to teach you is all about. So Empathy Generator basically goes like this. One person asks a what, you would ask a what question, right? So you can do this as an as a exercise uh, with somebody else just for practice. Or you can do this in real life, which I highly recommend. Um, It's nice to practice first just to kind of, you know, try it out. And maybe we'll do one here in a minute, Kelly. But basically, you ask a what question and and one of these is best. What do you do for fun? What are you into? What are you passionate about? What do you do in your free time? One of those types of questions. And you just keep it open-ended. You don't qualify it. You can just keep it open. So and then that if, person,
1: I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt, Rachel, but what if you're a person who is introverted and has a hard time talking about yourself? And you can't get the so, person going on it.
0: Oh, right? yeah. That's always, that's, yeah, that's good. So, you know, when you can't get somebody going at first, um, you're going to go and try to dig a little bit deeper by asking a question that's going to get them to that, where they kind of have to talk. So I'll give you uh, an example. So let's say you ask them, what do you do for fun? And they say something really uh, succinct, like uh, what's a one-word answer or what's something that's very uh, Read. succinct? Reading? Yes. Yeah. So then I would ask, well, what is it about reading that you like? Right. So what might you say to that? You can keep playing the introvert and give me some short answer.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know.
0: Oh, that's your answer?
1: Yeah. Oh you're a
0: you're, you're a tough audience. Okay. So um well if you did know what you liked about reading, what would it be?
1: Um sci fi.
0: Sci fi? Yeah. Cool. I like sci fi too so what would be what's like one of your favorite books or to kind of describe an ideal sort of uh storyline of sci-fi that you that you're into
1: oh one of my favorites is brave new world
0: mhm tell me more
1: it's just about genetic engineering what happens to what happens to in in the future when that happens and that was written so far back and it's happening now today
0: yeah yeah wow that's cool seems like um like topics that are happening today are really interesting to you through that lens like kind of thinking through the sci-fi lens like everything in sci-fi right it's about what happened uh or or are taking one little idea about what could possibly happen in the future and then extrapolating that into a whole story so isn't that cool that you know, it, it, cool and scary, <laughs> that that was written a long time ago, and now it's actually happening.
1: So you basically have to know how to improv on top of one word. Is that mm-hmm. the best way to describe it?
0: Yeah, so so one of the things that I didn't um, explain as I was doing it, so I'll explain it now, is I'm attempting to make an assumption about your values. I'm attempting to kind of do a a cold read on you and so you weren't giving me very much information i had to kind of make stuff up read between the lines a little bit and it might be that i i value you and i say you know it seems like current topics are of interest to you through that you know lens of sci-fi from the past or however i awkwardly worded it (laughs) in our improv but something to that effect and you might say well kind of but not really it's more like this it's that um I just really like history and I like to look at how we're repeating it now in in the modern day and think about what we can do to, um, to, you know, break that cycle or something like that. Either way, it's fine, right? You don't have to, it's not about getting it right. It's about actually having an opportunity to read into somebody and see if they, um, you know, will share a little bit more about themselves. And it's especially magic when You do that with somebody that, um, like you were, you know, sort of just role modeling there, uh, is is a little bit shy. Or the other thing is sometimes people are just conditioned to be reserved at first. And so when you kind of commit to the conversation and you just keep moving forward as if, of course, we're going to have this great conversation, people kind of open up a little bit more. So let's, let's actually role play that again, but just be yourself. And answer okay. truthfully. Uh, not that those weren't real things about you, but um, but give me a little bit more. <laughs> Just, so, uh, so what are you into these days?
1: What am I into these days? Um, I'm into staying healthy and doing research on what that means. Oh,
0: cool. So, what is it about being healthy right now that's important to you?
1: Oh, um, taking care of my shoulders, my back. Is everything that's um, tightened over time
0: yeah yeah so it sounds like um, you've had some pain recently
1: that's a really good insight on your part um, yes I had I hurt my shoulder blade and I've been trying to get it back to where it is and it hasn't been easy
0: yeah and so what kinds of things have been limiting for you
1: mm. um, I'm not as flexible in my mm. right arm so that's something yep. that I need to I'm trying to figure out how to loosen
0: yeah yeah well it seems like not being in pain is really important to you but it also seems like you know just having uh flexibility and being able to um enjoy life right and be active is, is also really important to you
1: So I love, Rachel, how you're empathizing with my experience and you're drawing insight from it. So can we go back to the empathy generator and how that works and how to use it well?
0: Yep, absolutely. So I'm actually doing it right now with you. So the way that it works is you first ask an open-ended question. So the what are you into, what are you passionate about, one of those. And then when the person gives you their answer, you say, what is it about that thing that you like, or um, you know, you kind of went down an interesting path there because you were talking about your shoulder, and I instinctively I was like, hmm, I bet she's in pain. I bet there's something going on there. So I followed my line, or you know, my curiosity. I followed that line of inquiry and tried to dig a little bit deeper because you might have said, no, I'm not really in pain. I just, you know, I've had problems with it in the past, and I want to stay on top of things, right? So that would have informed the direction of our conversation but in general you want to say something like what is it about um, being healthy that you like or what is it about reading that you like and then some people will just blah 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 they'll tell you all you need to know and you want to get to that assumption about their values where you're doing that read on them seems like you're very creative seems like family is really important to you seems like staying healthy and fit is, you know, one of the most important things to you, something like that. But if you're dealing with a a tough nut to crack, right, if it's somebody that's not giving you a lot of information, when you say, what is it about that thing that you like, then you want to keep digging and ask something like, well, what would be an ideal day? um, Just if all you had on your plate was reading, you're like, what would be awesome for you? What would you love to do? Right? Or paint me a picture of, you know, how you like to take care of yourself these days, you know, something where they can't answer a very short answer. They have to share a story or they have to share a little bit more about themselves. And the whole point of that is to get them to tell you enough about themselves where you can make an assumption, like reading behind between the lines is how I would think of it um, about who they are. Right. So like, if you think that they sound um, competitive or in a good way, then you might say that. If you if it seems like they're, um, you know, introspective or, um, you know, highly intelligent in some way or if they're super creative, like whatever you're picking up on, because guess what? There's a little bit of that in you to pick up on it in the other person. So that gives you an immediate connection point. What you don't want to do, is you don't want to say, uh, you know, if somebody's talking about what they like to do and they're like, oh, I like to play this video game 14 hours a day, you don't want to say, seems like you're really boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> seems like you don't get out much, <laughs> right? So you want to keep it positive. But, um, but it's cool because sometimes you value read somebody and they don't even see it in themselves, right? We always hear about, like, people have a hard time taking compliments. If you value read somebody in a way where you're shining a light on something positive about them, there's this really cool effect. I got to think of a good name for it. Maybe you can help me. But uh, there's this really cool effect where people start doing more of it just naturally, even if they didn't see that in themselves. So if you say you're a very creative person, they just start talking about creative stuff or they just start, you know, if you talk about family is really important to you, they'll just start talking about their family. So remember, you have a lot of power in the conversation, whatever direction you sort of steer it.
1: Interesting. Is there any way that one can practice be using an empathy generator? Or, I mean, that's a tougher one, right? You have to be able to read the person and have insight of where the conversation is going.
0: Yeah, so I always talk about, like, start with a low-risk way of doing this. So you don't necessarily have to have this whole scripted conversation. You can look for opportunities to value-read somebody based off to something they just share with you anyway. And I like to start with people that I, you know, people who work in the service industry, like a barista or somebody that's, you know, at the front counter at the cupcake place, Obviously, I have um, baked goods on the brain today, <laughs> uh, or um, you know, uh, somebody at the grocery store, whatever it is. You know, it, somebody that you're naturally interacting with. It could be a coworker, it could be somebody that you live with, but they're just naturally sharing something with you, and you know, you, you just make a, a value read on them. You know, you just kind of slip it in naturally into the conversation. So I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna start light, practice that first and do it with low risk people, right? If you're not feeling totally comfortable um, with how it's going to go, do it with people that already love and care about you, or do it with people that have to be nice to you that, you know, work at the coffee shop.
1: That's a great (laughs) idea.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So we're going to take a short break and come back with more with Rachel Kajak. Come dance in the streets of Western Edition with KXSF on Sunday, September 22nd, as the city celebrates another Sunday Streets event. As part of the car-free day, Fillmore and sections of Fulton and Baker Streets will be open only to pedestrians. Folks on wheels and everyone of all ages between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. KXSF will be hosting a special live on-air broadcast in front of Flybar with music Merriman and merchandise so join us and be a part of kxsf's live sunday streets western edition broadcast on sunday september 22nd between 4 11 and 4 look for us at the fly bar 762 divisadero at fulton street see you there we're back with rachel k jack on social fluency this is kxsf you're listening to spark so Rachel, um, back to the empathy generator. Um, so practice with baristas, people where it's, um, I guess, low emotional charge is the way to put it, or this less invest less invested, right, in the situation. It's more
0: about that they're that they have that that they're going to be nice to you, right? If it's if it's you that wants to practice and not be stressed out about the risk factor. Do it with people that are very likely to, to respond positively, right? And most people will respond positively, but sometimes if you're first starting out and this is really unnatural for you, it can seem a little awkward, and so just do it with people where, you know, if, if it doesn't go perfectly, it's not going to matter that much, either because they already love and care about you, like your family, or because you know, it's, it's a stranger, right? It's somebody that works at the grocery store or what have you. Um, so, you know, that's why that's the reason to start that way. But as you build in your confidence in this, then you want to actually practice that kind of whole sequence that I talked about where you initiate and ask that what question and then follow it up with what is it about that thing that you like or that, you know, that you're into. Um, And then, of course, remember, if you need to, if you have the tough nut to crack, then you can keep digging and try to um, get somebody to paint a picture for you. Whatever you need in order to be able to do that value read. Because values are where people's, you know, it's their heart center. It's like what they care about, what their purpose is. And so if you can get to that place, you're going to build a quick Uh, connection with somebody that's deeper than just the, you know, the superficial or surface conversation.
1: Do you think you need to give yourself a time limit kind of if you're not able to generate a conversation 10 minutes, you should move on or.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, So there's a delicate sort of fine line between assuming that you're going to crack their initial reserved exterior (laughs) if it's not going well, um, because of what I was saying before about people being kind of conditioned to resist at first. And on the other side of the line is, okay, just give it up, right? There's some people that they're just not in the mood to talk, or they're cranky, or you realize pretty quickly that, you know, it's just not somebody that's a good fit for you. And so there you know, there's nothing wrong with gracefully exiting the conversation or not gracefully. Sometimes it's impossible to be graceful if, if you know, if it's going really awkwardly. So, you know, I would say if you've, if you've been talking to somebody, I mean, f- even five minutes is a really long time when you first meet somebody to, um, to not be getting anything in return. You'll know, you'll instinctively feel that it's time to go. But the other thing too is on the on the front side of this is that you want to have I mean every conversation, every interaction between people, especially initially, should have a little bit of tension. If everything was super easy and didn't have any sort of drama to it, and I don't mean drama in a bad way, then it wouldn't be interesting, right? It wouldn't be engaging. So you do want to stick with it at first, like I was talking about, committing to, I'm going to have this great conversation with this person in your head. But at the same time, after, you know, I would say five minutes, if it's not going well, then you want to exit. And you can do that in a bunch of different ways. Um, it depends on the circumstance where you're at and what's going on. What I would say is it's always easier to exit a conversation if you're standing versus sitting. So if you're at a networking event or if you meet somebody, you know, out in a public place, um, don't sit right away. Sometimes people at a networking event uh, will sit down with each other and then they kind of close themselves off unintentionally from a body language perspective. Whereas if you're standing, you can kind of keep, um, you know, your body language open instead of squaring off and facing the person directly so that it's a little bit easier and more relaxed if you're like, okay, well, it was nice to meet you, shake their hand, uh, and be on your way.
1: So what are the top five exit strategies you would recommend?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, top five. Okay. Well, I think that, you know, the easiest one is not really explaining why you're exiting, just saying, Hey, it was nice to meet you. Um, You know, if you want to exchange contact information, you can do that on the way out. If you don't, then just say, it was nice to meet you, give them a quick handshake and be on your way, right? Or if it's not appropriate to do a handshake, you don't even have to do that. Sometimes I think people think they have to have, again, like, just like getting into the conversation, they have to have a reason to get out of it. And so, you know, that's the simplest one. Another uh, couple of ideas, if you feel like you need a reason, um, one of them is you need to go refresh your drink, or another one could be that you're going to excuse yourself because you're leaving the event, and don't do that unless it's true, because if they see you at the event later and you haven't left, then that's not very nice. So, you know, depending on the circumstance, you can um, uh, make a reasonable excuse for why you're exiting, um, the other thing you can do is if you're like I'm, I keep using the networking event, but that's sort of the um, you know the the most general example I can give. It could be you know whether it's a social thing like a party or whether it's a work thing. Um, it doesn't matter. But when you're exiting, if you want to um, make that person feel good, which you you know is a great way to uh, to be, um, end on a high note. Say you know you can you can do that uh, value read. You could say, oh, it seems like you're a really interesting person. Great to meet you. Shake their hand. Um, hopefully I'll see you around, right? Or um, I'll send you a LinkedIn invite later, right? Or, hey, are you on Facebook? Depending on the context, could be, you know, uh, Instagram, whatever. So um, so having something where it's not just this awkward cutoff, but there's like some, um, high note that you're ending on, you know, something nice that you say about them, or it was really enjoyable being, you know, having this conversation with you and you can even do a callback, which is, um, a reference to something that you both talked about. So, uh, you know, if they talked about going on vacation with their family, say, Hey, have a great time on vacation and, you know, talk to you later. And so going back to the top five, I'm testing myself here. So Um, just the general exit of the conversation without explanation, but, you know, ending on a high note, there's the, the reason that you need to leave. Um, and I guess, you know, two, three, four, and five, Kelly are all reasons that you need to leave. So it could be, (laughs) it could be one of the ones I mentioned, or it could be, you know, I think this is, this one is really, uh, genuine if you do it well. And it is that if you're at an event and you're there to meet lots of people, a lot of times people will get stuck in a conversation and they don't know how to get out. So they end up spending the majority of the night with one person or two people. And so you could say, hey, um, I set a goal for myself of meeting five people tonight. I'm super happy to meet you. I hope we can get together for coffee where we can spend more time together. Um, But I'm going to, you know, uh, make my exit or something to that effect. People actually appreciate that, that you're honest about it, and that you're, you know, you could say that you set a goal of five people or you could be less specific about it and you could just say, hey, so, um, you know, it was awesome to meet you and um, let's go meet some other folks or something like that. And and sometimes I actually take that person with me. There's actually a whole um, uh, exercise that I call social cyclone where you actually kind of pick people up along the way, like a cyclone picks up all of the stuff that, you know, whips into the air, and you, you take those people with you, and then you go meet the next person, right? And so pretty soon, there's like a cyclone of your social circle at the event, and people are like, hmm, what's going on over there? That looks interesting. So if you feel comfortable with that, you can also take them with you.
1: That's great advice. So, Rachel, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with more ways to fluently navigate the room. Support for San Francisco Community Radio is provided by Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned cooperative that has been serving San Francisco vegetarian food and providing a model for sustainable living since 1975. Rainbow is located at 1745 Folsom Street. Visit them online at www.rainbow.coop. San Francisco Community Radio would like to thank Rainbow Grocery for their continued support. You are listening to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. I'm talking with Rachel K. Jack about how to have a conversation with anyone, anywhere. Right before the break, we talked about how to actually stop or interrupt or gently break away from a conversation that we may not want to be in anymore. So Rachel, what if the conversation just keeps on going and you cannot stop the person from talking?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I resemble that remark. Sometimes I can be the one that's talking too much. Well, first of all, let me just say, if you're a talker, it's really important to be mindful of airtime and space for others to enter the conversation. I've noticed that when people do that, it's almost like a nervous energy uh, sometimes where they uh, are not sure how to just let there be silence. Right. And for other people, that can be really off-putting and hard because they don't know when to enter the conversation and it forces them to have to interrupt you. So that aside, I think that if if somebody else is the one that's talking nonstop, that very first uh, activity that we talked about, um, the speaking of one, can come in very handy. So if you're at an event of some sort or you're in a group of people and they're talking and someone's been talking about their cat who's been sick uh, for 30 minutes, <laughs> everybody's eyes are rolling and you can just tell by their body language, including your own, that you're sort of over it, you can interrupt the conversation and thread off of something that they said and change the topic and you are the hero of that conversation. And you might even be the hero with the person that you interrupted because they're tired of hearing themselves talk they just don't know how to stop so I think it can be really a useful activity for a whole bunch of reasons so you might um, you know they're talking about their cat and they're saying you know we had to go to the vet uh, every week for the past month Um, well speaking of the vet you know I used to have this amazing vet that was so good with my animals and he finally retired and Um, you know it's just so great when people are are so caring to you know our animal friends and then drop the topic right like move on to something else or you can go vastly in a different direction and um, not talk about vets or pets or any of that you could say speaking of cats I went and saw cats on Broadway and I thought it was going to be dumb but it was amazing have you seen any good theater? Is anybody here into theater? You know, like wildly different
1: insert yourself somehow. Say yeah, something nice you really about do. the conversation and mm-hmm. then then turn it in a different direction if you can't.
0: Yeah. It, it, the other thing is if the person's just talking and not leaving space, um, what you can and you do wanna keep talking about that subject, then you know, rather than interrupting and changing the topic You might just say, um, you might just jump in and say, that's really interesting, or some sort of verbal cue that you want to say something, right? And you have to, again, you have to do it confidently, and it can be a little intimidating. Um, The other way to do it is through body language. So if you're standing next to somebody, you don't want to grab somebody with an open, palmed hand, that's a little um, too much. But if you touch somebody with the back of your hand, say, on the upper arm, you can just go, hey, that's a great idea, right? So I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm tapping the back of their, um, you know, the side of their arm with the back of my hand. Hey, that's a great idea. It's like a way to break the conversation just so that they can. It's like almost physically letting you into the conversation. Um, so there's different body language things, but that's the least um, in, intimate Right, so for somebody you don't know very well, I would recommend back of the hand on the upper arm.
1: well, that brings us to physical language and personal space, right? I mean, you have to make mm-hmm. sure you're not you're not crossing your arms and you know you're jumpy. so can you tell us about how to um, convey impositive positive physical language and be mindful of personal space and how to handle that.
0: Yeah, well, body language is what you're talking about. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of different contexts culturally. So some people feel more comfortable um, based on their family and culture of origin with getting more up in people's physical space and others less so. In a Western society, we're a little bit more uh, into the distance, but you know, we're also a melting pot, right? So there's people from everywhere, uh, and so really, if you're thinking about um, personal space, and it, you know, you're probably thinking about it because either yours is being invaded, or you feel like maybe you invaded somebody else's. You have to be really aware of people's reactions, and the first reaction they always have is their body language. So paying attention to how people's eye contact is and i'll explain that a little bit more um but also their physical body so if somebody recoils or um you know is jumpy or kind of pulls back i call it doing the dance a lot of times what i'll see is women are more um comfortable being in personal space with others than men men tend to be a little and this is in general They tend to be a little bit more further apart. So I'll see a a man and a woman talking to each other. They they don't know each other very well. And the woman will be leaning in and the man will be leaning out and he'll shift back on his feet and the woman will shift forward. And that's what I call the dance. Pretty soon it looks like they're dancing because they're shifting around. So, um, So you have to be super aware of what people's response is. If you, For most people, if you tap them lightly on the back of the arm uh, uh, or the, on the arm with the back of your hand, that's not too much, as long as your whole body isn't physically, you know, three inches from them, <laughs> right? You want to have to extend your arm out in order to do that, and that tells you that you're leaving a little bit of personal space. But it's also an, a great opportunity to think about how you're standing, Because the way that you stand, you know, to the example I just gave about the man and the woman dancing is, um, you know, if two men, if you see them at a distance and they're squared off facing each other, it either looks like they want to, you know, get like in a fight with each other or that they're about to be intimate. Right. It looks like intense is the only way I can put it. Whereas if from a distance, and by a distance I mean across the room, you see two women facing off to each other. It's like, oh, they're just interested in talking to each other. And so there's, you know, obviously those are very binary and general about gender, but, um, but that's just to kind of give a, a loose um, spectrum to think about. And so there's all variations of that. But what you can do is you can open up your stance So you're not squared off directly with somebody facing them, putting them entirely in your spotlight of attention, but you're not completely, you know, side by side, not uh, leaning in towards them at all. And what that does is it gives you the opportunity to lean in at moments when the conversation warrants it and then lean back out. And it creates this openness that also what's cool, sort of the unintended side effect is other people can join the conversation, right? Because it looks like you're open. You're not closed off, just the two of you.
1: Okay. Rachel, we're going to take a short break and be right back. Hi, everyone. Join us this Friday, tomorrow at the Willows for our KXSF DJ night from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. We hope to see you there. You are listening to KXSF, tuning into to Spark with our guest, Rachel K. Jack, and she is talking about physical space, how we navigate that when we're engaging with others. So, side, so let me make sure I understand this. Don't square off, be a little bit turned to the side when you're talking to somebody. Um, and then that gives you some space to navigate away. I'm kidding. Um, if you need to. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you don't. So I guess it's like forty-five degrees we're talking about here. Yeah, it's about forty-five degrees. That's a good,
0: uh, you know, putting some specificity to it. It's great. Yeah, and then you can, um, you know, go in. If but if you start to lean in, and the other person leans out, then lean back out yourself. There's a concept called mirroring. It's been around forever. Uh, salespeople use it, and it's where you mirror the other person's body language and it tends to have the impact that this person is like me right but that being said you don't want to if the other person is being really closed off to use your example from a second ago like they have their arms crossed in front of them you don't want to mirror any closed off body language because then that means you're both closed off right or if you do cross your arms then un, uncru- you know and you notice yourself doing it because a lot of us just do it instinctively then you uncross them right away. And what's crazy is if you start experimenting with this, you'll start to notice that people will mirror your body language. So if you put your hands on your hips, after a while, the person you're talking to will do the same thing. Or if, some, if you're leaning on the table, the other person will do the same thing. And you can even see it from a distance. Like if two people are sitting at a table and one person crosses their legs, you'll start to notice at some point other people crossing their legs. So your goal is to stay open, uncross legs and arms, preferably. And it it brings sort of, you know, from a, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Somatic mind-body connection perspective. When your body is open, then you are open to the conversation.
1: Okay, and vice versa, so we have six minutes left. two questions or actually it's one question and one call to action. So the last question is it's going badly. What are some recovery techniques if it becomes embarrassing or awkward and you just you just cringing inside?
0: Well, I would say humor is your best friend <laughs> right? If you can be a little bit self deprecating um, without Showing a lack of confidence, right? If you say, "Well, I guess I didn't do that very well," or you know, I "Guess I didn't," um, um, well, I "Guess I'm not uh, firing uh, firing on all cylinders today," or something, just kind of uh, light humored, then it tends to lighten the mood. So that's you know what I would typically do. If you're not comfortable with humor, or you're not good at it, or you feel like um, you know, it's not appropriate for the situation, I I mean, really, a a fast uh, exit is probably your best bet, because at some point, it's hard to recover. So I I always say the first 10 minutes are most important in sort of shaping the dynamic of the relationship. Uh, So if you just met somebody and it's not going well after 10 minutes, which can lighten the mood, and hopefully bring the conversation. Yeah, yeah, great to meet you. Um, hope you have a nice night. Like I said, always end on a high note. You know what's interesting? Kelly, sometimes people, you perceive that it's going worse than it actually is, and the other person doesn't necessarily see that. They might be distracted. You know, they might be um, just unaware of how they're coming across. So just assume, you know, it's probably not as bad as you thought it was um, and, and leave it on a high note. Yep.
1: Okay, so for our listeners, what would the call of action be that would enable them to become more socially fluent in having a real conversation easily with anyone in, in, at a party, at a networking event, or um, just anywhere?
0: Yeah, so I, I, I highly recommend you think about, from everything you've heard me talk about, what you want to start doing. Maybe that's a new thing that I uh, talked about. What do you want to stop doing? What do you want to do differently? And what do you um, uh, start doing, stop doing, do differently, um, or do more of, right? So if you think about that and you're like, you know what, I really want to start practicing um, value-reading people, then I would recommend you actually, like we talked about, go out and um, practice that conversational agility, that empathy generator exercise. If you want to build more rapport with lots of different people and get good at just the the approach and the meeting people, then you want to practice threading. You want to practice um, approaching lots of different people and trying that quick read uh, suggestion that I had. of You seemed interesting or like the talk that you just gave or you're wearing a cool hat. You seem to be careful talk that you just gave or you're wearing a cool hat. You seem to be careful. I just don't remember how it went. Journaling is your best friend, even if it's, like, five minutes, just writing down how it went. So if you're going to meet five people in the next week and that's what you want to work on, then every day, hope you know, hopefully each day you meet one person and then it's a bonus on Saturday and Sunday, right? If you start on Monday, then you can meet seven people, right? Then you've overshot uh, your goal, which is awesome. Uh, but don't uh, don't go more than, you know, five times in a week with any of this stuff and definitely... Um, journaling and all you want to document is what happened, how did you feel, and what was your experience of how
1: it went. Well, it sounds That's like it. a great plan, Rachel. And this is the end of the program at this time. Thank you for joining Spark and stay tuned for Guillermo Goye for his program coming up with Rock Netto. Thanks,
0: Kelly.